Welcome to the AM Coffee Podcast, where we talk to fascinating people whose stories you won't hear on the evening news. Now, here's your host, Mike Summers. All right, um, have you ever met someone that seemingly has oodles of talent, but, um, you know, and they have lots of experience and even listed for five different things on IMDb, but still are very humble and gives credit to God for all their accomplishments? Do you know who, do you know who I'm talking about? Troy? Troy? Who? What? <laughs> you were listed on IMDb. Do you know that? I think somebody asked me if I was, and I actually had to go look to see if I was indeed, and I found myself listed on IMDb. Yes. You certainly are. Um, My friend Troy W. Hudson is our, is our uh, guest, our esteemed guest today. How are you doing tonight? Fine, Mr. Mike. I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on here, sir. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, let's go. You've been in broadcasting a long time. How long have you been in broadcasting? Well, let's see. Uh, I've been in voiceover since uh, probably 1983, 84. I actually started in the U.S. Army, um, stationed at uh, Fort Ben Harrison, Indiana. I went through the radio TV broadcast journalism course way back in late 83, early 84, and got stationed at Fort Bragg and spent about uh, five, five and a half years there. So that's where I got my start. Nice. And, and as a side note, Troy and I could have known each other back then because we were there at the same time, which I was you in had the, the luxury suite. You were in the Air Force, I was going to say. I was, yeah, you I were was. We, we had our own bathroom for uh, for one bathroom for four people. I think you probably had one bathroom for like 12 or 15, right? You know, we used to joke about that. Uh, for, for, for folks that don't know, Fort Bragg and Pope Air Force Base had joined each other. I was at Bragg uh, for the Army part of it. And of course, Mike was at Pope Air Force Base. And we used to joke when we would go across um, into their land. You know, I, I, there was a golf course there and yeah. <clears throat> various things, the reason to go over, because uh, I did a lot of video work o- over there uh, because of what I was doing in the Army. And we would just we would just drive by and look at the barracks, or as we called them, the dorms. <laughs> and there was this joke about, oh, well, there's the Air Force. You know, we, we thought you guys had it really easy in comparison yeah. to what the Army guys had. But, you know. Just silly branch rivalry stuff. Yeah, of course, of course. Thank you for your service, by the way. Uh, well, thank you for your service. You served longer than I had, so that was that's fantastic. Always great it to have fun. a veteran. We could have, yeah, Do we I? could have crossed paths somewhere along the way. It's it's you just fun. don't know. You know, I think we have talked about this before. I think we've gone to Spring Lake and and gone to the same kind of places out there and to eat yep. and uh, what was that that uh, that roast beef place? Racks, racks roast beef. Remember racks. that? Racks yeah. roast beef. Yeah, they had good salads too, but yeah. Um, we're, okay, eighty six to eighty nine is when I was there. I was there eighty four, eighty four to just right at the end of eighty seven. We could have crossed paths, Mike. Oh yeah, it's absolutely, possible. absolutely. Yeah. So how you been since? <laughs> eh, I've been hanging in there, hanging in there. Good. <laughs> so it, you uh, you started your broadcast career in the army. How, what uh, what kind of things did they have you broadcast in the army? Oh, my goodness. I was assigned to the 4th Psychological Operations Group. <clears throat> I can't tell you everything. Yeah, I know. Somebody's <laughs> listening. And I was in, I was in PSYOPs. So uh, it, was, it was actually kind of like a marketing thing. Um, lots of training stuff. Uh, initially, when I got there, they didn't have anything for me to do. Um, and I thought, you know, because all of the assignments for radio, TV, broadcast journalists were all either in Germany or in Korea. So I expected when I left Fort Ben Harrison, Indiana in early 84 to get assigned to one of those two places. And it turns out when I saw my orders to Fort Bragg, my heart just sank. I mean, I thought, oh no. And when I looked at it, there were no assignments. There was nothing there for me to do. There was no facility. There was nothing they had built. Uh, But it turns out um, uh, God smiled on me that day uh, because when I got there, uh, there were a couple of weeks, several weeks where they said, well, we really don't know what to do with you. Uh, but there's a special duty assignment coming up across post at the 18th Airborne Corps headquarters uh, facility. And there's opening, they have like a little radio station and they're starting up a brand new TV show, like a PM magazine type format, which is just like a news magazine entertainment kind of thing. And they were just getting that off the ground. So the timing was perfect, perfect. And I know God's hand was in that because he knew I couldn't stand the boredom of just like, okay, yeah. nothing to do here. Especially not well, they were that age. Yeah. 
No, absolutely not. Or they would send me to Honduras for six months of TDY stuff to do more of nothing there. So those are my those were two my my two options. And the Air Force uh, had it easy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, you guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> we had jobs to do though. So were you the only one with your MOS over there at all? Uh, in the unit at the, no, actually there was I think one other guy that was there that was a, at the time it was called a 71 Romeo, a broadcast journalist who had actually rotated in and out of Grenada because the Grenada invasion had happened uh, about a year before and they were still rotating people in and out. And I thought, oh, great. They're going to send me to Grenada to do more nothing. And all they did was set up uh, portable radio stations and, you know, make a few um, civil announcements to, you know, for the civilians. And that was it. So they had nothing for me to do. They sent me over to the 18th Airborne Corps. I spent two years immersed in radio production, you know, uh, on-air stuff. I did a morning show. Uh, I did some programs for external stations. Um, I, I did. I was exposed to an amazing TV show where I was able to shoot and direct and write and on-camera stuff and got to travel all over the post and, and hang out with SF folks training and 82nd Airborne and just, just the craziest combination of stuff. I got to see stuff that nobody... Um, was able to see unless you were in that, in those units. So I was exposed to an, an enormous amount of stuff, uh, a great appreciation for the military uh, and, and what I was able to learn when I thought I was going into a dead end uh, assignment, it turned out to be an amazing assignment. And uh, so they actually put me up, tried to put me twice on orders to go overseas. The first time uh, was during the special duty thing to Hawaii. You know, you're like, go to Hawaii, man. It's like the air force. Poor guy. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and part of me wanted to, but I realized when I researched it, there was nothing there for me to do there either. They had no, they had a slot, but they had no work for me to do. So the captain that was in the unit went to bat for me, blocked the orders, which was unheard of at the time. So I stayed at Bragg the whole time. Uh, midway through after the radio stuff was done, the PSYOPs group built this multi-million dollar facility that was based on the production gear that they just used I think in the uh, uh, 84 or 88 Olympics. Um, and so I was able to do about three years of intense voiceover work as well as video editing, learn some amazing things. So my time in was fantastic. The timing and the way things worked out, uh, I'm quite certain uh, God had a big hand in that. So um, I was very, very blessed. So five and a half, five and a half six years in, uh, it was time to get out, and um, there was nothing for me there either. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I got out, and I, I expected great things, and uh, great things did not come my way. So I, I completely understand. So you, it, it you took a while. Yeah. Experience at five or six years, and and taught yourself a lot of stuff, and that you know that just shows kind of who you are on the inside. I'm I'm very very similar. It's like I don't want to be just sitting there. I, I, I keep telling my son when he was younger. So the last time I was bored was. Uh, December 1985. And that is the, the God's honest truth, because I never, I normally have just so much stuff going in my head. My wife has always said that as soon as your head hits a pillow within 20, 30 seconds, you're out. And I always say, well, it's my, my clear conscience, but it's, it really is because I, I'm so active in my head all day long that finally when I do shut it off, it goes off. And, um, but yeah, in, in December, 1985, and you probably know this too, or maybe it was an air force thing, but, uh, we had a small unit. We were AFCC, which was the air force communications command. And all we did was all the radio stuff for air traffic control and all that, that kind of thing. And of course, during Christmas and new years, all, you know, sorties went shut almost down to nothing. So those guys kind of sat up in the tower. We had a local control and a, and a, and a, a ground control and a supervisor. And that was really it. There was nothing going on. So I had the beeper, you know, even back in 1985, there were beepers that you could hear them talk to you over. So I had the Look beeper. Huh? The, I said, look it up, kids. <laughs> it's a Motorola. But uh, I, I remember getting the beeper because I was single. I was in 1985. I was 21. And I had I had nothing going on. So everybody else had families and everything. So I was the only guy on call during that time. And because there was nothing going on, there was no calls. And there's nobody to talk to. Almost everybody was gone. So I remember sitting in, um, gosh, I had all the, all the um, fast food restaurants were open 
even over Christmas and, and Thanksgiving and, and all that kind of stuff because of all the GIs in town. Fort Bragg at that time had 50,000, uh, I believe. And then I don't know whether that includes spouses and, and dependents, but 50,000, the Air Force had five. So it was like they knew that, you know, they couldn't really shut it down because there, there was always somebody who's going to be hungry. So I remember sitting at a Taco Bell being bored to death watching, watching a football game or something all by myself in 1985. That was the last time I can remember feeling bored. <laughs> So I was actually bored that day. So that's a long way to go. A, I was going to say, you've lived a full life since then, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the last time you were bored. I just don't wow. get bored. I don't know why that is. Great. Yeah, I that's think it's great. Right. Yeah. But um, so, you know, you got out of the, got out of the service. And uh, so where did you go from there? What was your, what was your next move? Uh, two of the things I did while I was in the service, I, they allowed me to moonlight. So <clears throat> I was actually had two different gigs. Uh, at two different local stations in town oh, nice. under pseudonames, um, which helped me bridge, you know, <clears throat> once I got out. But uh, one of them was the, uh, you may or may not remember, Hit Radio Q98, the oh, top gosh. 40 hit station. And I was like an evening guy or an overnight guy. And then there was another station that a lot of the GIs and maybe some of the Air Force guys listened to. And that was Rock 1450, WRZK. America's only heavy metal rock station in Spring Lake, North Carolina. Oh, wow. Son of a gun. I had no idea Spring Lake had a radio <clears throat> station. So They don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little 5,000-watt station. It was a shack on top of a hill. but uh, Spring you know. Lake was about three-quarters <clears throat> of a mile. That was it from start to finish back then. You started at, uh, at was it 6th Avenue where, where Bragg Boulevard? And I can't remember, but it was on all on Bragg Boulevard. And you went from Bragg Boulevard down. And when you got to, there used to be a place... And I think I may have talked to you about this. It used to be a, call, a place called the Cedar Point Cafe or this, you know, where the two roads came together. I think it was, um, I don't remember the other road now, but it was a point in the road. And right at that point, they, they had built a little cafe, like a coffee shop. You get breakfast anytime, day or night. It was like a, like a fancier waffle house, but it was like, you know, it was, you could, you, you paid once for coffee and you could drink all night if you wanted to. Um, but anyway, that, that was kind of I'm the trying to remember what like. I had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't remember the name. So, but I remember we used to go there quite a bit, but that was at the end of spring lake and it couldn't have been more than three quarters of a mile, but I it was remember. not a big town. Yeah. yeah. Um, but your, your question back, back to your question. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to, no, I was trying to picture in my head. How does he remember this stuff? It's been 1985. <laughs> I don't know. I've been back there a couple of times just driving through and I was just like, nothing looks the same. Of course, when you go back, yeah, of course, uh, but uh, in like 89, 90, I got out and for like eight, nine months, I had no work. So I was married at the time with, with uh, our first two babies. And uh, so thankfully, uh, when I got out of Bragg, the only place to go was down the road in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, and so, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Down the road where they live in Columbia. So it was like a three hour drive from Fort Bragg. Um, and so. I did construction labor work for eight, nine months after sending out a hundred plus resumes thinking, man, I got the creds here. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want to hire an ex, you know, uh, army guy with who's done this and this? Well, nobody <laughs> wanted to hire him. Uh, so it was a real struggle for like eight months uh, living in a little bedroom, um, wondering what was going to happen. It was a crossroads moment in 1990 when I had two job interviews. One was to be a forklift operator for a uh, hazardous waste disposal company. And the other was for a lower paying job as a production director directing early morning news for the ABC affiliate in Columbia, South Carolina, and also editing together some commercials. And so it was a real struggle, but um, I went against the higher paying forklift operator job of course, and decided to go the route of the TV job. Um, and so that made all the difference. It really did. It, it was one of those pivotal crossroad things that I could have still been driving a forklift. And I'm not saying anything a gift against blue collar work. Believe me, I'm not. Um, but for me, that was just not my calling. And it was, you know, more important for me to, to follow that path. I did that for about a year. And then somebody told me about a, um, a production job opening up at a big utility company in Columbia and spent 10 years there doing video and voiceover. Um, and from there, I actually moved to a, uh, commercial production house and did, um, video editing for lots of commercials and different productions, um, up until 2012 and 2012, I got laid off, 
And I've been doing full-time voiceover work ever since. And I sprinkled voiceover in there throughout the years, but it really wasn't the primary thing because it was the editing that paid the bills. So uh, at least up until 2012. Yeah. Now, did you have a home studio before 2012 or was that something you built later on? I really did not have a home studio. Um, In about 2009 or 10, I started dabbling online. Um, Not that I knew anything was coming down the pike, but I got on sites like Elance and uh, Upwork, or I think it was called Odesk at the time, Hmm. um, different job sites. And I bought a USB microphone. It was like a, uh, I think it was a Blue Yeti. And I put it on a pizza box and I had an iMac computer and some real rough audio editing equipment. And, uh, I just started sending out stuff. I I started looking and, you know, $5 here, $10 there, um, whatever I could get for it, just a little part-time supplemental stuff. And I was slowly building my knowledge, but I had no, as far as technical knowledge, I was sitting in a 10 foot tall, uh, ceiling dining room, um, with no sound treatment using a USB mic. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, it's sounding. When I listened to, I've still got some of those old demos and samples from uh, uh, years ago, and it, it just—I'm blown away that anybody would even hire me. Yeah. Um, but you know, I got a few jobs, and I, I began to learn the craft, and I began to learn um, how to take better care, you know, better equipment, and slowly but surely, it probably wasn't until about 2013, 14 that I actually, when I moved to a new a new house. I set aside a room and I began to treat it with, you know, production curtains and uh, foam tile and learn about, you know, putting a pad on the desk and learned about pop screens on the microphone, uh, upgrading the equipment, better monitors, headphones, separating the loud stuff, putting it in another room, running long cables. So about 13 or 14, I began to build, I guess, the studio, which is really nothing more than an entire bedroom or actually two bedrooms that are dedicated one to the recording space and one down the hall. I think I'm frozen. Now we're good on my side. Okay. We're both frozen. Frozen. So I'll just, I'll just keep going. I can hear you. Um, Okay. (laughs) There we go. Uh, If I froze, I apologize. Um, But yeah, what's going on is two, two rooms dedicated two bedrooms and one has all the the loud gear the hard drives the the iMac computer and in the recording space where I'm at right now in the padded room um, I've just got the monitors a uh, a second monitor uh, the speaker monitors and I've got a Dell monitor that's actually um, mirrors the main iMac monitor so I can read scripts off that and then I've got my mouse and wireless keyboard so minimal amount of stuff in here no noisemakers um all the noisemakers and the fans and things are, are down the hall. So when I close the door in here, it is just like amazingly quiet. And my noise floor is within acceptable ranges. It's below minus 60. And um, I've hired a couple of real pros to actually, you know, take care of the things I don't know, which is, yeah. you know, certain things about the audio, the actual audio process. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I do what I can and I hire out the rest, <laughs> which is, uh, which has worked well for me. I've, I've learned a lot just from watching YouTube videos. When I was started out, I think I was around the same time as you. It was about 2012 when I started. Yep. I bought, bought a USB mic, same kind of thing. I've listened to old some of that old stuff. I actually was doing, I was doing practice scripts on the Edge Studio website. And I can still go back and listen to that stuff. I'm like going, oh my gosh, I can't believe people didn't tell me just to quit. And uh, yeah, because you, you know, on that side, if you're not familiar with this, they have practice scripts that were actually used at one point and you know, you record it, you put it on a forum and people listen to it and they critique you. Now the only caveat with those critiques is the people who, who are critiquing you don't know Jack more than you do. So really, I mean, it doesn't, it, it, it's helpful to practice, but it's not necessarily helpful their, their feedback. But like Troy said, I mean, you, you just kind of, you, you learn, you know, you, I learned so much from Don Barnes. That's who the guy I was trying to think of. I sent him a, a sample. He had a, a thing where he, he would take a sample from you and, uh, you know, you run it, you send him a raw sample and then your, your, uh, your sample that you ran your chain through and everything and then send it to him and see what he thinks. And he, so we had a zoom meeting after that and he goes, uh, and he gave me a, a huge compliment. Uh, one of the first things he goes, Mike, 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 I said, 
uh-oh, what? <laughs> he goes, I love dealing with people like you. I said, why is that? He goes, because your audio is pristine. I'm like, oh, well, good. <laughs> and we chatted about everything else. I was like, well, I get, we just moved in this house in February. So I did take over at least part of this bedroom. And, uh, and my son had some, um, acoustic panels that were hand-built by a friend of his that went to SCAD, if you know what SCAD is, the Savannah College of Art and Design, very expensive school. And uh, they taught him how to do a lot of this stuff. He built these panels. He was moving, didn't want them anymore, gave them to him. These things got to be worth $100 a piece. I've got five of them in here. They're fantastic. I think they're Roxel in, inside of it, but it's like, you know, they're framed up nice. and it's beautiful. So yeah, I mean, there is such a learning curve with all this stuff. And, and, and it's... and. Not only that, I think I showed a lot of uh, self-control but because I was a forklift driver for 25 years and I did not hang up on you. I was very offended. <laughs> I tried my best to put the little disclaimer in yeah, there, yeah, Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 was, I was right there at the end call, right there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, you're right. I mean, I, but I, I'm with you. forklift drivers, I <laughs> It's a noble calling. I it know just that. wasn't my calling. I, I had a special some... calling. Hey, uh, where does that guy live anyway? I got to go take care of him. Um, but, <laughs> but it was, you know, it really wasn't my calling either, uh, especially working night shift all those years. But it was, I, I felt I was in this point of desperation and I didn't have the experience you have uh, as far as in the, in the radio. So I did work in radio for about a year back in 1988, but that was it. And that, that's not enough for you really to kind of get your foot in the door anywhere that, that will pay you any kind of money. So I was very desperate. And, um, so it, but you know, it paid the bills. Uh, it got, it got me to the point to where, uh, because of the, the union contract that was negotiated long before I got there, it got me to the point where I could retire at 55. So that's what I'm, you know, this is a man retired at age 55. Yeah. I'm still working. <laughs> I'm still 75. working too, you know. No, well, what you don't have, you're retired is the point. Yeah, this yeah, is the man yeah. who chose a wise career path, got a retirement package, and was able to walk out the door with a nice monthly, yeah, okay. And me, no, no, I'm winging it. I'm winging it. Why? Well, I think I'm maybe for as long as, yeah. I think it was because I kind of held my breath and said, I got to do this for 25 years and then I'm going to get out. <laughs> so that's what I did. It's, it's sort of like, you know, you go into like the, the, the public restroom at, uh, at Atlanta airport. So you hold your breath, you go in there and you get out. <laughs> and that's kind of the 25 year. I'm really bad at metaphors. I need to watch more YouTube videos. Anyway. <clears throat> no. You know, of all the areas I thought we'd go, I did not think we talked about that. public restrooms no. in the Atlanta airport. Uh, and there's no there's editing. No where this is <laughs> of course not this I'm, is I'm raw stuck. this is real folks this is real this is real <laughs> oh gosh yeah as you can tell troy and i've, I've been uh chatting back and forth for uh many years now so we met mm -hmm. at a um in a fiverr group fiverr is one of the uh websites that we uh I, I was nowhere near as successful as most of of the rest of you but uh for whatever reason it needed to be tweaked and they just kind of like kept cut me off and and uh said that you know you haven't had a job in three months we just needed you know, send you away. So yeah, it just, it, it's just the way it goes with some people. And I know some very talented folks that can't really get a whole lot of stuff going on with that. But, um, but yeah, we met in that group many years ago. It had to be five years ago now, five years, 20, early 2016. So okay. going on five years. Yeah. 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 So there is, we're still friends with a lot of those people we met. It's like, it, it really is a neat little tight knit community that we have in, in the, uh, in the voiceover community. I think it's, uh, it's really nice. And, you know, there's, there's some bad eggs everywhere, but, um, you know, I was thinking that you've done thousands probably of projects, including, you know, going back even just since 2012, what is some of your most favorite or, or most fun uh, projects that you've been a part of? Well, let's see, uh, literally many thousands, yeah, because uh, between the work on Fiverr and a number of the other online platforms and having the uh, awesome opportunity to work direct with clients too, mm. um, I would have to say one of the ones that stands out to me uh, is very near and dear to me. It was, it was a series of like 15 or 16 different stories for a group called Bible Pathway Adventures. Um, and they hired me actually, I think it was on, it was either on Upwork or on, um, it wasn't on Fiverr, it was on one of the online platforms 
uh, that I don't think is, uh, I, no, I don't think it was freelancer, but it was one of those. It's yeah. not currently existing now. It may have been Elance is what I'm thinking. E- yeah. Of. I think Elance out. turned into freelancer if I remember right. Elance to Upwork or Odesk. One of those. Yeah. yeah. One of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they hired me back in like 2013, 14. And, and originally it was just going to be to read some Bible stories that this uh, author in New Zealand and her husband had come up with, and they they were this was just right off the ground, and they wanted it to be based a lot on history and not traditional stuff, not your typical uh, Sunday school uh, approach. But this was going to be deeper, but it's still going to be geared toward kids. But it was going to have you know like original names and geographical locations, so it, they would tie in some more facts along with the Bible story itself. Sure. And so originally it was just supposed to be the voiceover. And then I, I did the story and then I said, you know, I could add a little music or a little theatrical stuff in the background to kind of kind of round the story out because I saw some illustrations um, and they were really amazing. They're really, really good. This, uh, this gentleman named Tom Barnett, they hired out of uh, Wisconsin um, to do the uh, illustrations, I'm an amazing artist. And so he just brought the pictures to life and just something told me I needed to do more than just the dry voice. And so I said, let me add some music. So I did that. And they were like, yes, yes, yes. So that led to like a multiple year, multiple story process of just them just unleashing me creatively. And they just said, you know, just just do the story, do the voices, do whatever you want to do. So they let me do these wild, wacky character voices, telling all these amazing Bible stories. Um, They even had me doing Hebrew at one point, which was crazy, crazy stuff. (laughs) Thankfully, just one or two lines. They got a Hebrew speaker and I was just like mimic them, but I do it in my voice. Um, just some just some wacky stuff and just music and sound effects. And if, and if you know what a timeline looks like in, in an audio program, they were 10 to 15 tracks deep in some cases. And I was just I was going to town and this this went all over the place and they have gotten so much response. They've, they've got a full series line of, of books and their YouTube channel is, is amazing. And so went from doing the stories, reading with the full soundtrack to also putting the illustrations into video format and doing videos with the audio part. So it was, it was probably the most rewarding thing because as a Christian, I mean, this was the outreach that they, they post about some of the things, you know, of where, these, where this stuff is gone. And it's just phenomenal, the outreach and the stuff they give away and they've now since moved the headquarters to Canada, but they hire a worldwide team. They translate the books in I forget how many different languages. And um, so, yeah, we're supposed to be doing another story coming up, uh, I think, around early December. But, um, yeah, I, I, I get so much enrichment out of that. Um, I have I've actually seen the one, the, you, the uh, David and Goliath one. I, I remember your yeah. Goliath voice. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Goliath. Yeah. <laughs> little sound effect, little, little uh, extra post work done in there for yeah, that. Of course. I'm not as big as Goliath. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, they, they essentially imagine a producer turning you loose on something like that. And, and you're just like, you mean I can do anything? Yeah. As long as I read the story, I can do anything. So you let your imagination run wild with you. That doing that in other children's stories where I've just kind of been turned loose with, you know, whatever, uh, just stick to the script and just, you know, add whatever you want to. When I get projects like that, I, I just, I, I, I'm just, I know that it's just, it's going to be a real good day. Uh, because, and, and the fun thing about doing this job, as you know, Mike, is the, the crazy variety of stuff that we get to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, looking at the calendar, if I'm doing an e-learning project, in the morning, and I'm doing uh, uh, game liners for a, a mobile game of some sort that requires like a high energy, really intense thing like this, or like a toy commercial or something like that, yeah. you know, and, and but you're doing the dry sort of, <clears throat> and now you insert slot A into widget B and make yeah. sure the forklift operator knows this is the correct <laughs> way to do it. So yeah. Those are you know, hard. I do a lot. This, yes, and, and, and you know, everything I do though is, is pretty cool because I'm thinking about who's listening to this, who's listening to this. Is there a room full of guys going, oh, yeah. you gotta sit through the learning training? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. <laughs> and then you suddenly come on there and you're like, there's people that really don't wanna be here. Okay. So you try to make it more conversational. So while the Bible pathway is probably a highlight and there, there's others, I actually did two translations of, uh, of, of the entire Bible, which took me about 10 months to do. 
That was amazing uh, because I got to do some dramatic reading and not just just straight through um, just basic readings. I was able to do a little more inflection and some character stuff. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm very blessed because there's a wide variety of stuff, a wide variety of stuff that I get to do. And it doesn't get boring because, you know, I a lot of times I don't know my calendar is not it's wide open. So I may wake up tomorrow and have five or six different things, <laughs> or I may wake up tomorrow and have not a thing, yeah. um, but it all balances out because, you know, uh, God's got me taking care of me and he's been doing it for actually coming up on eight full years. Uh, just a couple of days ago, I celebrated the eighth year of uh, having my last boss walk in and tell me that uh, Troy, we're going to have to let you go. And that was from a very nice, well-paid video editing job. Um, and, you know, I thought it was all about I was safe and secure. Uh, but it began a journey for me um, uh, that, that rocked my world and <clears throat> radically upped my faith in, uh, in a very significant way because I realized where my real source of uh, trust and security comes from. So. Yeah, I heard a pastor talk about that one time. Is that uh, people don't really know what they're made of until God lets them get squeezed. It's like an orange; you don't really know what's inside until you squeeze. And God knows, but we don't know. And it's like when you get squeezed. I went through something, not professionally, but about ten years ago, and I just remember thinking, you know, the stuff and the thoughts that were coming out of my head, and just, just, I, I just. I realized that I was not where I needed to be. I thought I was where I needed to be because I was kind of like checking all the boxes. But I think that those things, and I would never wish that on myself again, what, what I went through. But but at the same time, I am just, I'm a different person on this side of it than I was then. You know, 2010 was a terrible year for me. And and when, when that happens, like you said, I, I think you probably, your faith is probably gargantuan compared to what it was prior. And Absolutely. I think- your, your faith has to go through. See, it's sort of like working out, you know, you got to rip the muscle apart, let it rebuild. And then it's stronger and bigger than it was to begin with. And, and, you know, that's a, that, that's a fantastic story. I, I, you know, I, when you were talking about having the creative Liberty, uh, have you ever done that with auditions? I know I yeah. switched gears there uh, a little bit, but yeah. Matter of fact, I have, uh, some of the jobs I've gotten with auditions, uh, sometimes are those, those uh, you give them what they say they want mm-hmm. and then you get a variation of that. And then what I like to do is sometimes just jump off the rails and um, give them something totally unexpected. And I've, I've booked several jobs like that because it's the one that they weren't expecting, which is the last one. If they have the patience to listen to them yeah. um, and the time, then yeah, that, that one that's just totally just not what they were expecting, but something you saw there and something yeah. you thought you could have fun with that's going to get their attention. You know, something as simple as an, a character voice when they weren't ask, asking for a character voice for uh, a project for Lionel Trains to, I mean, just turning my head and, and yelling out here like a conductor would. And that just the weird <laughs> little things like that. And it's just yeah. like, you nailed it. That's it. That's exactly the client wanted that. And, and, and then sometimes just doing something so wild and crazy that you have to back up from the mic because you're going to blow the levels out and you're just, just going wacky and you're in your arms are flailing. And, you know, if anybody could see yeah. you, they, you know, they call the cops and say, what's going on in that room <laughs> over there? Something's wrong. I'm glad it's padded though. I'm glad. Yeah. But um, padded room, I think is good for us. Yeah. Very good. But yeah. Uh, auditions doing something a little different, I think is, is really important. Uh, like I say, you give them what they want or what they think they want. And then uh, you give them something totally you. I mean, you, the main thing is I never try to sound like anybody else. Um, you just, you got to do you, but there's lots of variations of you you can do. Uh, yeah. If you're willing to just let your inhibitions down and just kind of go for it. I think that's a lot of it. Let your inhibitions down. That's exactly the the point, I think. And if you're like a, trying to break into this industry or something, you it, it's all about being natural. It's about being who you are. Even there there are very various versions of who you are. Uh, I was thinking that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I did an audition to where they came back and said, I can't believe you did that. That was great. And it was the second, uh, the second take. 
Yeah. It was an older man laying in bed, uh, and and he was supposed to, uh, you know, as he was dying, you know, and they wanted it kind of gruff, like he just woke up from a coma, that kind of thing. So, so I did that for him. So then the second take, I heard it in my head as an old Southern man. So mm-hmm. I, I came out and said, what, what are you guys doing over here? I never expect, you didn't expect you in here today. Get out of here. And, and they came back and said, wow. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that, that's, they didn't want that. They didn't ask for an accent. They didn't ask for any of that. So I think it's, and all it, it took was a few extra seconds to do and yep. you booked a nice job. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's so cool. I love to hear stories like that. I, I, yep. I love, I love helps. hearing, huh? Especially when they happen to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, the first uh, demo I had produced back in uh, commercial demo I had produced back in, I think it was 2016 or 2017. Um, Brent Allen Hagel is the one who did it for me. And one Great of the things guy. he kept telling me, he is fantastic, uh, fantastic producer. And he actually um, booked me for uh, something I'll tell you about right after that. Um, but he did the demo production for me and he kept telling me as he was, it was like a Skype or a zoom session um, because he's out in LA and mm-hmm. He kept telling me, Troy, you need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to get out of your comfort zone. Just let it go, man. Just let it go. Just, just get out. Just, just let it go. He kept telling me that. And I was just like, oh, okay. <clears throat> and I kept thinking, okay, I got to keep, this is the commercial range that I'm talking about. You know, almond milk, we're selling almond milk or we're selling cars, luxury cars. <laughs> and I kept doing the performance thing. And he, he, you know, he's just like, you know, you know, this is a no comfort zone you know, let, let's just let it go. And I've never forgotten that. And that and a gentleman named Roger Leoparty, who produced my most uh, recent retail demo, um, was telling me, um, you know, just the fact that you're just being yourself, just different levels. You got to find your voice. You just got to find your voice so you can tweak it and just adjust it for whatever thing you're doing. But it's still your voice. You're not having to push it. You're just talking. You're just doing your thing. And he is so good at what he does, and he's so good at being able to teach that. And, of course, Bill DeWeese, um, you, you and I both know. Sure. Um, sure. An amazing teacher, an amazing YouTube channel, put out so much good content. And he actually did a, a commercial demo for me earlier in the year. And, again, working with him was like, you know, it's like working with your hero. Yeah. For me, it was just like, I, once I got over the off factor, it was just like, you know, hey, Tro, we're just sitting here relaxing. And he taught me some things just during the demo session. It was just like. You know, just, 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 I want this to be uncomfortable for you. So I'm like, okay. And so he's just, just like lean in and I just, just barely make the sound. Just, just tell him just, you know, this is real soft spoken, just really relaxed. Just, just, you know, say it. And I was doing an Alfa Romeo commercial and I've gotten more requests for that Alfa Romeo, a rich Italian opera without the dogs in the background. But it was just me just being in and just leaning in, just being really quiet and just low and just kind of like, whoa, look at that sports car. And and I've gotten more booking requests for that Alfa Romeo style or that away suitcase thing where I'm just like, this is an away suitcase. You know, it's great for trips or whatever. You know, it packs great. It's easy to, you know, different tweakings of things like that, that is just, I wouldn't have discovered that without those kind of amazing mentors and coaches um, that kind of pull that out of you. And to be honest, I can kind of drift back into being lazy and formulaic sometimes. So it's important to kind of retool and re-educate and recalibrate that whole thing because I personally can just kind of drift into being lazy and not focused on all that a lot of times because it's like, oh, an audition request. Okay, let me pull it up in between stuff here and knock this out real quick. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not thinking about the copy every single time. And I think for me, you know, for anybody doing voice acting, you have to really get into that particular place. And sometimes uh, that just means going back to the drawing board and, you know, taking a class or talking to a coach or watching some YouTube videos from somebody that knows a whole lot more than you do. Um, A real quick story about Brent. Um, He sent me an email back in June and he said, um, we haven't worked together since uh, he produced my demo way back. And uh, he wanted me to audition for a part in a French documentary that was going to be translated into English. And it turns out that documentary aired on ABC TV uh, back in uh, less than a month ago, just a few weeks back. And uh, I was just, I was blown away by his generosity Um, to think of me after all these years. I was like, how did you think of me? 
He's just like, you're good at what you do. And that's all he said. He said, you're good at what you do. I'm like, okay. So there wasn't like this massive search. He just remembered that I could do that sound for that particular character. And so, yeah, out of the blue, he, he and, 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 and it goes back to what you were saying about the, this community um, being so amazing and supportive. 99.9% of them are amazing and supportive uh, in the voice acting world, whether it's giving, you know, honest feedback or it's remembering you did something back then and they remember it. Um, and I think social media plays a big part in that kind of being in the, the front of people's minds. Um, if you're doing something out there, you're putting something out there, they remember you. Uh, it's kind of like uh, sending out emails to people. Well, in the voiceover community, um, you know, it's that, oh, I saw your stuff on Instagram or I saw that spot you put up on Facebook or whatever it was or LinkedIn, which is probably the biggest, biggest networking tool for me right now, um, which is just, yeah, just, just putting yourself out there and reminding people you're still in the business and still doing good stuff and uh, without overdoing it. Yeah. Just keeping you in the front of their minds. You know, it's like, I, re I remember seeing him about every two, three weeks or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I remember something that Bill DeWeese taught me. I did a training session with him. Oh, it had to be four years ago, but I still remember some of the stuff he taught me in that 45 minutes. It was just incredible. Uh, the, the guy is just so full of knowledge and, and, and he's just so generous with the whole thing, but it, it, I have the tendency to when it's something that, you know, I, I don't even know what's, what the specific genre of what I was reading, but my voice tends to go higher. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I oh, have you ever met it, you know, that kind of thing. And then he goes, just tone it down, just relax your vocal cords and speak like normal and forget that you're, you know, on a microphone. And it's like, and when I did that, it, it caused less stumbling. It caused, uh, it, it just caused it to sound so much more conversational. And it, it was just, it, it was incredible. And it's some, one of those things that I still apply daily today. I have to stop and think and, and put that in there. But uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Brent Allen Hagel, I have never met him, but I have, uh, I've seen a lot of his Instagram stuff. He's him and I have interacted a few times on Instagram and, and it just, like you said, just great, great, great people. And you know, that 0.06% of the people sometimes post more than the others, but you know, <laughs> and that drives you a little insane, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's really a, a great community. Um, yep. And I'm just, I'm glad that you were so successful. I'm just, I'm grateful because you'd really do you, you, and I meant what I said at the beginning, you have oodles of talent and it, and it just, it, it's amazing how much you can see it in people when they have it and when they don't. I don't know if you've, through the forums on social media, sometimes people send you, a, 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 you know, you can ask them, they're having some kind of voice and, uh, anomaly in their audio. Well, you know, send send a clip and they'll send it out to two or three different people and I'll listen to it and I'm thinking, wow, they should be driving a forklift. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was can a trainer. Tell the story about your green feet. I don't know. I, I, I was, I, I was, when I was a trainer uh, at, and as a bush, as a forklift trainer, there were some people that took to it that have never even been in the same room with a forklift. And by the end of the week, they were loading a trailer by themselves. It was incredible how they took to it. And then there were other people that six months down the road, they're still struggling to pick up a, a pallet. And it's like, yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There, we all have strengths and weaknesses in different areas. And if your brain just doesn't function in that way, because you've got to have certain hand-eye coordination and, and, you know, and it's the same with voiceover. I mean, some people just aren't built for it. And there are times, to be honest, there are times I feel like I'm not built for it because it just seems like I go through a dry spell and it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. but, you know, I do a lot you of- slash. <laughs> You're not the only one that goes through dry spells, my friend. I'm, I'm sure. No, uh, <laughs> it happens to all of us. I mean, some of us are, I'm not one of those, some of us, but some, there's some people that stay booked and, uh, you know, I'm not one of them, <clears throat> you know, so it, it's, it's, in, at, I've told you this before, it's an ebb and flow thing. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, it's more flow than ebbs, which averages out real well. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm basically, except for a couple of agencies that, that call on me for a couple, uh, some auditions, um, I'm unrepresented. So it's basically, you know, one person marketing operation, one person production operation, you know, one person determining everything, doing the books minus the taxes. I farm that out. <laughs> Learned that the hard way a few years back. But uh, everything else. Thing, so, yeah. Yes, that strength and weakness thing is like identify that stuff and then figure out who you're going to sub it out to. 
and that just wasn't my thing. But um, you know, I, I I get a kick out of the production thing. I, I but but again, it's I, I've heard people with amazing voices, you know, and you're thinking, wow, they they could kill it. But it's not about I've I've learned this so well, and don't get intimidated by that as much. If I hear this rich baritone voice, it's just like, whoa, it's just phenomenal. You know, that that's wonderful and great, uh, but do they know how to use it? Uh, is that the only tune they can play? And, and for some, that's the only, you know, it may be the only thing they need to do. Right. But um, I think having a variety of different things you can do, if you like doing a lot of different things, like I, I like character stuff. I like, um, I like to do, you know, the silly stuff. I like to do the straight corporate e-learning read stuff, but regardless of what you're doing, you, you need to learn how to use it. You need to learn how to break down a sentence. I mean, some of the real basic stuff, you, learn, you need to learn how to massage the copy. You need to learn what's important, what you can throw away, you know, what the emotion is, you know, who's listening to it. There, there's a lot of factors there more than just, you know, having a good voice and the nice pipes and relying on that to do everything you do. Because if that's all you got, it's, it's, it, you know, it's going to run out after a while. It's oh, just so. going to get old. Yeah. So I mean, learning all, all the whole time is important. You know, and I, and I think that uh, a, a genre that found me that I didn't really expect to find, which I liked, but I didn't think I had the pipes for it, was uh, it was like some imaging. I do a lot of uh, radio show intros. I do a lot of podcast intros and outros. I, I'm on probably a hundred different radio stations in, in the British Isles right now on different different intros and stuff. I'm like, I don't know how that happened. I got hooked up with a guy over there. He sends me probably five or six things a week. And I just, I, and, and sometimes, you know, me being here in uh, Northern Georgia, he'll send me something from Leeds, England. And it's for this week, it was for Reno, Nevada. So it's like the, the, the internet is just fantastic. I love the internet. And, and, yes. and uh, last week it was uh, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So it's like, and, you know, of course, you know, him being in Leeds, he goes, make sure you don't call it, uh, what was it? Oh no, it was New Orleans. It wasn't Baton Rouge. He goes, make sure you don't call it New Orleans, or, or, or you know. I say, I, I understand. I got it. You know, gotcha. it's it's, it, it, it's just, but it's fantastic. It, it's it's just wonderful. Yeah, the internet has definitely made that made the production world smaller for me. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. <clears throat> the the biggest thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest thing is um just just adjusting to the time zones, and for me, I found just just working up those boundaries. To where you're like, okay, you know, when you'd like to work, but you got to realize there's people in Europe that might want your services. There's people mm -hmm. in the Middle East. There's people in uh, Eastern Asia. There's Australia, New Zealand, you know, and all over the world, and, and including if you're going back in time to Pacific California time, just a few hours behind from where from where we're at, where we're at. And so it's juggling all those multiple time zones if you're going to be working in this business, and, and that is. You do need boundaries, but you also need one of these here to keep, Absolutely. you know, to, to be in communication. And I, and I find that to be the case, too. Even when I go on vacation, I'm not I'm not really ever off, but I do know where my boundaries are. Um, and I do know that if I get a text at two o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to reply to it. Heck. I mean, I may I may hear the ding, you know, distantly and I may kind of glance over at it, But if I see it's an app that is related to work. I'm not going to respond to that right. because I don't want to build that expectation um, that, oh, yeah, I'll get up at two o'clock in the morning and do a voiceover. That's not going to happen. Yeah. No. Um, so knowing your boundaries. Yet. No, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have been, but uh, I'm not right now. I'm not saying I would never do it, but yeah. I'm saying, you know, yeah. you need to have those boundaries to where okay, this is work and this is not work. Right. And, you know, I'll be at the grocery store and, and it'll be eight o'clock at night. And I'll open up the phone and I'll be conversing in the checkout line with somebody. Yeah, we can do that. Let me send you an offer. Let me send you a quick audition when I get home. You know, something like that. No big right. deal. But normally it's just like, find those boundaries, know what works for you and don't burn yourself out because you could, you know, there's work to be done out there that could keep you busy and awake at all wee hours of the morning. And that's just not a healthy thing. You got to find a good balance, which I'm still kind of doing, but it, it's good to hear myself say it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's it's so true. And I, I think being retired and being to where this is, you know, I'm not really counting on this to pay my, my mortgage and everything. It kind of makes me easier for me to kind of put those boundaries in. You know, when I get that order from Great Britain, I think it probably dings my phone about four in the morning. And, you know, I get up and, and sometimes I'll go exercise or I'll go do something, whatever. And, you know, you have to let your voice kind of wake up anyway, because, you, you know, you wake up, you have that little bit of James Earl Jones deal going. And it's like, you know, by about nine o'clock, I, I sit down and I, and I, I'll do the job. And that's about when he expects my work from me. So, yeah. And, and I'll just, uh, I'll text him and tell him that we're going out of town for the weekend or we're going out of, out of town for the week. And, and, uh, he's got other people on his roster and it's not a big deal. So yeah, creating those boundaries for yourself is, is very important. And, uh, uh, like I said, it's easier, uh, as you get older, I guess, to, to tell people no. I mean, when I was younger, I, think I was because... a yes person. <laughs> well, I, I hate to let people down. If somebody's yeah, expecting somebody, I, I really, really hate that. And, um, you know, I'm not retired, so I have to work a lot of, you know, yeah. to, because yeah. got to keep stuff in that belly. I wasn't trying to rub, rub your nose in that. I was just saying, um, no. if you could go I, back. I carry a travel rig with me. I carry a travel rig with me too. Sometimes if I'm on vacation, just to make sure I can do that. Yeah. Uh, to deliver. I build a pillow fort and I do it and send it out and get back to what's important, which is the family time. I if I could go that, back. I, well, I was going to say, I actually had to do that. I think it was three weeks ago. My wife and I were up in Indiana, right on the border of Kentucky and Indiana. And I brought my travel rig with me because I finally built it. And I finally set it up and everything. I brought it with me and I thought, you know, I told him I wasn't going to be in town. He probably won't email me. Of course, Saturday morning, he e emails me and my wife was at a seminar and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this now. So uh, the acoustics in the in hotel rooms are absolutely horrendous. And I probably mm -hmm. should have gone to the car. It would have been a lot easier, but I folded my old 56 year old body up under a desk and made a pillow fort under that desk. And, you know, when you're folded up, you can't breathe. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, I had to take probably 10 takes to take a sentence because I'm like going, I got to figure out where I can take a breath in here. <laughs> it was awful. But anyway, um, you do what you got to do, man. Do what you got to do. If you could go back 10, 15, 20 years and talk to the Troy W. Hudson of his younger uh, age, what would you tell him? What would you pull him aside and say, dude, avoid this, dude, do this. Buy Home Depot stock, something. <laughs> First of all, take better care of yourself. If this was, say, 10 years ago, take better care of yourself. Uh, definitely uh, start putting money aside in savings. Get yourself out of debt. Uh, prepare for the future because you don't know how long uh, you're going to be on the planet. Um, treat the people in your life better than what you have. Uh, treasure those relationships because, you know, the work stuff is one thing, but it's the personal relationships that are going to, that's what you're going to look back on when you get, you know, way beyond these years. Mm -hmm. I'm 56, just like you. Yeah. So I think the personal relationships would be the thing. If we're talking just professional though, um, I think just uh, networking and connecting with people earlier than what I did, I stayed kind of isolated when I got laid off. I figured I'll just, I, I, I'm good about kind of teaching myself how to do stuff. Um, but I can learn a whole lot more if I just open myself up to other outside instruction at the same time. So I, I isolated myself for several years and I think I could be much further along, uh, with more connections and more inroads to other parts of the business. If I had opened myself up to those networking things earlier on. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of it is I, part of it. I wouldn't trade because it's, for, for me, the, uh, the faith journey uh, was all tied into that and the struggles and the trying to figure it out and just growing as a person um, by going through the trials. You know, I wouldn't want to shortcut that. Um, so, so part of it is like, you know, go back and fix some of the personal stuff. But um, for the most part, um, I think I've, I've done the stuff fairly right as far as the professional things um with the exception of reaching out so yeah is that was that deep enough for you no i think that was it was great that's that's exactly that's honest that's exactly the answer i expected pretty much you know it's you know we can all we can all improve on how things have gone but i think you know we we gotta we gotta start every day 
brand new and I, I know you do that. So it's uh so what does the future hold now that we've uh, we've kind of brought us up to speed on Troy W. Hudson to 2020. Now what? You're gonna write a well, book? No. No. <laughs> I actually a number of years ago when I started posting is like this is my faith journey from like 2012 on and I posted a few videos. You know, somebody said uh, you should write a book. I was like, I no. Um, I'll, I'll do videos instead. Um, I, I started doing something. It's partly it's therapeutic for me, just getting over a uh, <clears throat> a major hurdle, which was doing live videos. I started back in June doing a, every Friday. I'll go online and I'll I'll yak for like a half hour. Sometimes I'll play some of the stuff I've done. Sometimes I'll just talk about what the day's like. Sometimes I'll bring in the in the dogs. And it was initially just a way to kind of um, get over a fear that I had of doing live video, pushing the live button and going online to the social media channels, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. Um, and, and I was petrified the first few times, just the thought of it scared me to death. And then I thought, I've got to do it. I've got to overcome this thing. And now I'm in the process of trying to figure out what am I doing with it? Because I really, it's like formatless. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. As far I know, I want to continue to do that, and it's and, and there's no money involved in it at this point. It's just it's just kind of a free form creative thing for me to do. Um, I think I'll continue to do what I'm doing. I like doing e-learning for uh, clients directly. I've got a I've got a pool of folks that I do that for. I'd like to build on that. Continue to make, continue to let the business grow. I know I want to get into more short form commercial stuff, more retail oriented, uh, car furniture, medical sort of uh, short commercial forms because those are quick to crank out, but you got to be able to be quick to crank them out. Um, and I think connecting with some agencies, doing things like that. Um, I think um, I, I think I've kind of let audiobooks go because of the time consumption it takes. I've, oh, yeah. I've done like 60 of them and I'm very selective now and my rates are at a level where you really got to want me to do it. <laughs> Yeah. And I really have yeah. to have the time because I just don't have the time on my calendar anymore, nor the patience, to be honest. Uh, I think continuing to learn um, as I go. Um, I'm planning a major move uh, next year. Uh, I haven't picked the exact place, but because I can do what I do from anywhere, as long as I got an internet connection and a quiet space, I'm plotting and contemplating a move somewhere out west where there are mountains. I just don't know exactly where really? yet. Like um, Western yeah, more than Georgia, right? I mean, you're not. Mm, yeah, you're, you're, you're talking. West now, of the Mississippi. I'm talking Utah, 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 <laughs> Utah. It's a it's a hybrid of Idaho and Utah. <laughs> you know, uh, Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, Montana, somewhere in that um, basic area, that large swath of land. Am I, um, am I remembering it, right? Weren't you born in Utah? Is that correct? I yeah, was born I in Tennessee, so. uh, but I actually lived in Utah That's uh, from like eighty, no, from like seventy nine to. 82 or 83 so i spent my high school years there and fell in love with the place but uh it's yeah beautiful. as far as living <clears throat> it is fantastic so uh, it's it's one of those places next year probably in the late summer i'll make that move but in the meantime you know the short short 21 2021 um just continuing to grow you know get the income level up so i can save for a house you know i've got you know goals in mind for where i want to be um but um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not burning out from what I'm doing. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. You I get up excited. I get up. I, I I'm blessed. I mean, yeah. when I look at when I look at just the fact that I don't have to get on an interstate and drive during oh, rush yeah. hour, or I you know I can I can take a day off, or I can you know what I'm kind of tired. I think I'll go take a nap in the middle of the day, and <laughs> you know I know I've got work to do, and I'm refreshed, and I get up and I do my work, and nobody ever knows it, and uh, except for now. Well, um, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> thanks for editing it. Uh, and then he said he never sleeps on the job. <laughs> no, I'm I'm so blessed. It's 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 ridiculous. Um, when I think about what I get to do, uh, yeah. in this padded room in 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 my home, and I don't have to go out and commute like I say in rush hour. Um, I'm going to continue doing this uh, as long as I stay healthy. Which is another thing is just concentrating on being healthier. And taking care of, because when I'm, when I'm physically healthier, I found my voice and my breathing and everything is, is just a natural extension. Sure. It's just like, I can hear the difference as opposed to, you know, not taking care of yourself and eating junk food and then get in front of the mic and going, 
and all these weird mouth noises and just the breath is hard to come. So taking care of myself and just continuing on and building on the businesses. What I'm going to do next, Mike, not write book. <laughs> okay. Now you, uh, you were talking about health wise and we'll wrap it up here in a minute, but uh, you just finished a thing called a 5656 challenge. You want to tell us what that is? Bless your heart, Mike, for remembering that. This I love is not you. safe. I, I, love, I love you like a brother, boy. <laughs> You're my brother from another mother, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, actually, Mike, I did. <clears throat> I, I decided to do, I, I had it only on Instagram uh, as far as the, I did 56 some odd live video, or almost 56 live videos every day. Uh, I, I started on August 1st, but I got super sick with the flu or something kind of like COVID. I took the test. It said negative. So that was wonderful, but I was still sick as a dog. So I restarted on August 8th or 9th and went 56 days straight of going out in the woods or wherever I could find a place to walk, uh, and walk at least 5.6 miles, uh, went as high as seven and a half, a uh, couple of times, um, hiking, walking, doing whatever every single day, regardless, straight for 56 days, which was 56, 56, which was the point, right. and I'm 56. Um, so yeah, that that was a real physical challenge because there were rainy days and there were days where you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then I realized the accountability factor of putting it on social media, on Instagram, I kind of have to do this yeah. because I put it out there and it's really, except for being sick when I just physically couldn't get up, um, and I had to start over. That was a valid excuse, but I traveled to Denver like last week and I had to figure that out. It's like, oh, I have to get up at five in the morning to go down to the hotel treadmill to put in at least three and a half miles, because I know I'll probably do a couple visiting the grandkids, you know, which is why we were there. So mm -hmm. I, I, even, I even stayed with it while I was there, you know, out of state. It's like, how do I do this in an airport? You walk around the airport, you know? And so <laughs> the, I, I did it the whole time, the whole 56 days. And on the last day, you know, I was kind of, I decided to walk in the evening, nice sunset shot. The dogs were there with me and it felt, I really felt proud of myself. You know, as I, was, I did it, I did it. And I was already thinking about the next one I was going to do, which the next one is going to be, can I premiere it here? Sure. Why not? Okay. The 5757 challenge. And the goal is to start on October 17th and work up to my birthday, which just happens to be 57 days from October 17th is December 13th when I turn 57. Details to come on my social nice. media pages, but basically it's going to be a rapid, hardcore exercise weight loss program that I'm going to start. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see how much weight I can lose. I have a goal in mind, but uh, in the meantime, I'm binging on snack food and drinking oh, things I shouldn't. I'm training for the, you know, you, you got to do that because it's like, I have to abstain at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you but, know, uh, yeah that's, yeah. that's what's next for, for me. It's like, you know, the it's, it's the eating in the evenings and, and I've, I've got a thing to where, you know, I have a, I have a nighttime routine is uh, I'll go in, I'll floss brush and then Listerine. And then, you know, of course that's all your squeaky clean at that point and then you go to, go to bed. But if I can do that around six o'clock after I eat, I won't want to have anything else. I won't, won't want to have a piece of cheese or a Twinkie or anything because the Listerine, nothing tastes good after Listerine, you know? So, I mean, I'm thinking that that might be a, a something to try because I need to, I need to get shed about 10, 15 pounds myself too. I just, yeah. I, I need to drop about 40. Oh, stop. That's my goal. That's did, why did, I only do videos from the uh, chest. <laughs> did you lose any Down from below the 56, 56? I, you know, I thought I would, but I wasn't eating right. I wasn't, I wasn't doing the diet thing. I mean, I could, I could, I could hoof it. I got my time down really well per mile, but um, yeah, after when I wasn't doing that, I was just like, I wasn't really thinking about it, yeah. which kind of forced me into the 57. Cause it's like, if I had just cut out half the junk I ate, I could have easily lost 10 or 15 pounds in that, you know, almost two month period. And so it's like, well, it's time to get serious. And that's what's coming up next. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I got about two weeks until that starts. So in the meantime. Well, we'll be here cheering <laughs> you on. How do, how do people get a hold of you on uh, social media? Is it, do you have your own? Uh, I don't have my own social media <laughs> channel, but um, <laughs> <I, laughs> TroyWHudson.com is the website. Yeah. Uh, 
Troy W. Hudson underscore VO, I think, uh, on Instagram. If you look up Troy W. Hudson yeah, uh, on Google, it's it's pretty safe to say that uh, don't look many. up Troy Hudson. Yeah, don't look up Troy Hudson because uh, a basketball player and a rapper comes up. And I'm not either one of those things. You know, you know, no. maybe, that could be, maybe the rap challenge next year. See? Yeah. Comfort zone, my brother. Comfort zone. <laughs> Get out of that comfort zone. I'm not doing You're it. Not but you gift it. wrapping, are you? Because <laughs> I can gift wrap. <laughs> my I can't idea do of gift that, wrapping either. is dropping in a box, actually, with some some tissue paper. That's that's my gift wrapping. Or how's that Amazon <laughs> gift card treating you? <laughs> well, Troy, this has been a blast, and uh, it, you know, if you want have a project, you think Troy's voice is and personality would be perfect for. Like he said, it's TroyWHudson.com, and uh, email him from there. And uh, you know, he's he's a he's a great guy to work with. And like I said, I've known him for a long time, and he is solid as a rock, character wise. You you will not be sorry. So, um, thank you for coming on with me. I appreciate that. Next week, you were mentioning Australia. Next week, I believe it's next week. I'll have uh, someone from Australia on here from Brisbane, Australia. Good day. To come. I got to I got to get up at uh well, no, actually it's going to be at probably about 10 or 11 at night because that'll be 10 or 11 on there. It's exactly on the opposite side of the planet. So, thanks for coming on, sir. I appreciate it. Thank well, you, Mike. I had well, fun. Thank you for listening to AM Coffee. Available everywhere you get your podcasts. For more information and archive shows, the website is amcoffee.us. If you'd like to email us, it's amcoffeepodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.